listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. I'm so glad that you have chosen to join me today. We are kicking off a brand new series that I'm so excited about. We are looking at the book of Ruth, and our new series is Hope When You're at the End of Your Rope, Lessons from Ruth on Trust, Surrender, and Healing. And just as this title suggests, over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be pulling some lessons from Ruth and looking at what hope we can have when life gets hard and we feel abandoned and in need of rescue. And many of you listening, it's not even that life has gotten hard. It's just maybe that life has been hard for a really long time. And it's in those places that we can lose faith that God cares about us, that he sees us, that anything is going to change, especially if we've been walking through difficult season after difficult season. And it just seems like every year we're hoping that it will get better. But in fact, maybe it gets more challenging or we just aren't seeing the the shift, the change that we're, we're hoping for. And we're, we're wondering, you know, is anything going to change? And we're maybe tempted to kind of try out our own path to maybe fix it in our own strength to stop relying on God. And this study is just a, a reminder of the hope we have in God and just some lessons we can pull from Ruth because what we're going to find when we look at her story And many of you listening may already be familiar with it, but we're going to find that Ruth was in a really hard place at the beginning of Ruth 1, that she was in a tough place, as was her um, mother-in-law and sister-in-law. And we're going to see the choices they make. And what I want to just focus on for this first episode is just this idea that often when we're in tough places that we're, we're looking for God's rescue, we're looking for this amazing opportunity to maybe open up to change our job situation or we're looking for this amazing change in a relationship we're just looking for something that looks better than where we currently are and often God does provide that that he is a rescuer it tells us that in the bible but then sometimes he opens up a path that doesn't appear to be very advantageous we may wonder lord you know this just looks like i'm just going to be walking into more hard more difficult How is this going to help me in my situation? We can really question. And often the the best path for us doesn't always look to be the best from the outset. As humans, we just have this natural tendency to want to choose what looks like will be the most beneficial to us. And there's nothing wrong with weighing out options and saying, okay, what is going to be a benefit to me? But if God is pointing us down a path, that doesn't look that advantageous, that is still going to be the best one because we can't always trace down a path and see where it's going to turn out. And God can't. God can see the end point, whereas we can only kind of see the beginning. And so if we rely on him, then he has wisdom and sees beyond what we with our limited viewpoints can see. And sometimes he does lead us down paths that we're just really surprised that he would lead us down them because there is pain and there is, um, there's hardship on these paths. And we're thinking, Lord, I thought walking with you would be easier. I didn't think that I would be in so much pain. I didn't think it would be so difficult. And 
we question um, whether or not we really want to take another step and whether we can really trust him because at the moment we may only see the darkness, we may only see the struggle and we may not from our vantage point be able to see how things are ever going to get better. In Ruth 1, we see a woman who does have a choice. Um, She is in hard circumstances. Her husband has died. And also, not only that, but her brother-in-law has died as well. And then a few years before that, her father-in-law has died. And so all the men in the family are gone. And she and her mother-in-law and sister-in-law, they're at a crossroads. They have to make a decision about what they're going to do. This is not the current times that we're living in where, you know, women could just go out and get themselves a job. And sure, you know, they had to deal with the tragedy of their loved ones dying, but they were able to support themselves. No, in this particular society, um, these women would have been very dependent on the male members of the family. And so without that support, they were in a really tough place. And so they would have to either, Ruth would need to either go back to her family or she can continue on with her mother-in-law, but that would be a very unusual decision. But I want to pick it up in Ruth 1, and I'm going to read quite a bit of Ruth 1. And the reason I want to do that is because I want to lay the foundation for the rest of the study. So I want you to bear with me. And if you even have a Bible and want to go ahead and read along, that would be helpful. Or if at a later time, you can just pick up the story, then that will, I think, be really helpful in just bringing home some of the points that we're going to unpack in not only this episode, but the ones that follow. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his son were Malin and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malin and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people." But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And at this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. 
May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death, death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. I stopped reading um, in verse 18, but what can we learn from this passage about choosing the path to follow God, even in tough circumstances? What can we really learn from Ruth's story and the story of these women here when it comes to choosing the right path in extremely hard circumstances? The first point I want to draw, and I'm going to mention three, but the first idea I want to draw from this story is number one, God remains sovereign in situations that seem out of control. We may not have noticed in reading, but there's a few sort of important details that I want to pull out that we might overlook. And one detail that we might have skimmed right past. And I know certainly when I've read this story in the past, I I honestly have never done an intense study of Ruth, but I'm, you know, as many of you very familiar with the story, But one detail that I've never really looked into, it tells us that Elimelech's family was, was in Moab because the reason that they were even there was they had decided to go there because there had been a famine in Judah, in Bethlehem, where they were from. Now, as one commentator put it, I loved his wording, so I want to borrow it. But one commentator said is that, it was questionable why their family was even there. God had brought the Israelites to the promised land. And though they suffered a famine in Bethlehem, this famine, you know, this, these people would have been under the old covenant, which as Christians listening, we're under the new covenant. Thank, thank you, Jesus, for coming. Because of Jesus, um, because of what he did on the cross, we're under the new covenant. But these Israelites would have been under the old covenant and under the old covenant, it basically said that God would bless them when they were obedient, but he would discipline them. Um, he would, you know, they would sub, they would go through hard times when they didn't were disobedient. And this was a hard time that Bethlehem was going through and God sent a famine basically to, uh, to wake the pe- the people and bring them to their senses. Now they would still be sustained during this famine, but Elimelech sought to escape this famine. And although he encountered plenty in the land of Moab, he eventually lost his life. Therefore, though he hoped to find better circumstances in Moab, he was worse off than he would have been in Bethlehem. And his move to Moab was really a move backwards for his family rather than forwards. Again, there's just this idea that, as many scholars point out, that it's possible that Elimelech, we don't know for sure because it doesn't tell us all the details, but it's it's highly possible that he was a, attempting to escape really God's discipline, that he wasn't really willing to submit himself to it, and he was trying to kind of work him, his own way out of the situation, but it didn't turn out to be any better. He ended up dying in Moab. And we don't really know why he lost his life, but again, there is this idea that it's possible that he met the problems he did because he wasn't obeying God. I like what David Guzik, he's a, um, he has his own commentary on this book, the book of Ruth, but he said, it is hard to say that this was the direct hand of God's judgment against them, against Elimelech's family. It is sometimes difficult to discern why tragic things happen 
What is certain is that the change of scenery doesn't make things better. We sometimes think we can move away from our problems, but fine, we just bring them with us. No matter where you go, you bring yourself with you so the same problems can continue in a different place. And I think that just on a side note is that we can kind of look at his actions and I think that we've all done that, right? That we've all tried to escape our hard circumstances and gone out of God's will and found our own Moab, I guess you could say as as you will. We've tried to kind of provide for ourselves outside of God's will because it just looked more appealing and there just appeared to be more somewhere else. But we can see that it didn't really work out for Elimelech. And even if God is somehow allowing hardship in our life, it is still better to be in his will and doing his will and following him and staying in a place of hardship rather than trying to escape it. And we see that. The other thing too, is that his sons, after he died, Naomi's family remained in Moab and his sons married foreign wives. And this would have, again, been something very questionable because God's covenant with the Israelites specified that they not take foreign wives. And so again, even the death of the sons, it it's possible that they brought that on because of their own actions. Now, if you're listening again, we're under a different covenant. Um, they were under the old covenant and the old covenant was very difficult to uphold. It was imperfect. It was not the perfect covenant we now have with, um, with Jesus, where Jesus has taken our punishment on the cross as Christians. God does discipline us. He allows certain affliction in our life, but he does so not to, um, not to, uh, you know, turn us away, but because of his love for us and because he wants to draw us back to himself and also just to, to, you know, take out the impurities in our life and, and create in us what he wants from us. But Naomi's uh, family definitely had made some questionable decisions. But what I see when I look at this and I think, okay, here's this family that they probably, you know, shouldn't have been in Moab. It was questionable why they were there. But still, if we fast forward in Ruth, we see that even though they shouldn't have probably been in Moab and it was questionable why they were there, that God still uses this family um, He that he weaves in. Ruth into their family, uses her in a, in a mighty way. She becomes a woman of God. And so it, that in itself is amazing, but we can just be encouraged that God works through hard situations, even those caused by the sinful actions of others that affect us. Ruth, we could say here that she really wasn't responsible for what happened to her husband, what happened to her father-in-law. She was just kind of in this family where these things were happening and that we can know that if we're in hard circumstances, sometimes we're in hard circumstances because of the actions of other people. And that can be so frustrating. We may be crying out to God and saying, God, I am in this place and it's not even like I'm here and I'm in this hard place because of other people and how they are acting. And and I'm not even making these choices and their actions are affecting me. And God is still sovereign in those very hard situations I'm not telling you to stay in an abusive situation or anything of sort, but I am saying that some of us, we do have some major pressure in our jobs, in our relationships, in our, you know, in, in our daily situations. And we wish that some parts could change and, 
when when they don't immediately that we may be frustrated but we can see here that if we fast forward just a little bit to later in Ruth's story we see that God even though it does seem that tragedy has hit this family and that it's very bleak at the moment there is going to be redemption for this family later down the road and that God is working behind the scenes for them and that God has not forgotten Ruth and equally comforting God hasn't forgotten Naomi either. We don't know what role she had to play in going to Moab. Did she advise her husband to go? Did Was she against it? We don't really know. Similarly, was she the one that advised her sons to marry foreign wives? Or did she just stand by when they did? I mean, what did that look like exactly? We don't know. But we do know that Naomi says that the Lord's hand is against her. Again, we don't know exactly why she's saying this, whether it's just because she's in bad circumstances or because she truly feels that maybe the Lord is dealing with her family for some of the choices they made. Regardless, we see a woman who believes in God and turns to God in her distress and God doesn't leave her hanging. God provides for Naomi and we can see that, okay, we've been talking mainly about what happens if we're in circumstances where others have, you know, wronged us and perhaps we're in in difficult circumstances because of them. But what if we're in the circumstances we are because of our own choices? Again, we see that even in those cases that when we turn to God, that he can right any wrong that we've, you know, he can right any wrong that we've done. He can make straight our crooked paths and he can use even our wrong choices for good. It tells us that in Romans 8.28. I want to move on to the second point. Even in hard situations that we didn't choose, we can trust God and follow him even when it doesn't make sense. Because of the circumstances that happened to Ruth's family, she, Naomi, and Orpah are left at a difficult crossroads. At first, what it tells us in the passage is that they all travel together and that they all plan to go to Bethlehem. But then we see that Orpah abandons that plan and returns to her family and God's. Now, Naomi suggests that to her, but Orpah doesn't really need much, much encouragement. She jumps right back, um, leaves the path she's on and goes back to her God's. And at one point she appeared to exhibit some sort of allegiance to Naomi and Naomi's God. But once the suggestion is in her mind of returning home, she immediately leaves. And we can only guess, I mean, speculate, that it was most likely because this appeared to be the more advantageous path. If she returned home, she would surely find a husband again, even if it meant no longer following God. And, you know, honestly, reading this, we might think, well, that's really understandable that she would go home. There's nothing wrong with her going back to her family. And that's certainly right. But what definitely we can see in the passage is that most likely... And what is sort of, I guess, implied there by how it's worded is that she's she's going back to her gods. The Moabites, they, they even sacrificed children. They were involved in some pagan worship that was really, really not good. And she's going back to all of that because it looked, again, more advantageous than the path of following God at the moment. Because following God meant going with Naomi to a strange country where only poverty and a low status as a widow awaited her for all she knew 
Um, and so we, you know, it's understandable she would want to go back to her family, but she basically abandoned God and went back to her gods. Ruth, on the other hand, clung to Naomi with a rare tenacity. And she makes this declaration in verses 16 and 17. She says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. So Ruth is commendable because she chooses this hard path. To go with Naomi meant to leave her homeland. It meant to leave her family and gods and walk towards a life that by all appearances did not look promising. I mentioned this before, but a widow in this time period, again, would have been literally just low, low status. You would have to be dependent on others. Um, There wasn't much that you could do for yourself other than hope that there was a close relative of your deceased husband that would offer to marry you, that would take you as a wife and then you could have provision and protection once again. So, but they didn't know what really awaited them in Bethlehem. So Ruth was going to have to work hard and she was going to have to rely on others and it did not look to be a very promising path. She could have easily followed Orpah out the door, but instead went the harder way. And what we're going to find, spoiler alert, (laughs) is that Ruth chooses the most blessed way, even though it does not look like it is in the very beginning. And one of the things I was thinking about when I was putting this together was I read this about a fairly well-known celebrity where she was originally a Christian, uh, Christian uh, singer, artist, and she put out a Christian album and she has some very strict, you know, very strict Christian parents put out a Christian album and she only sold, a, you know, 200 copies or something, not very many at all. And she was offered a deal for a secular record company and she took it. And when she took the secular offer, then her music, she sold, she sold thousands, millions probably of copies. She's very successful. She has a lot of money, but here's what's happened. When she took that secular record deal, she left her religion really behind and she basically abandoned her faith and she's living in the world now and has adopted very worldly views and her songs are very um, reflective of that. And her, her um, mom has even spoken out and said that, you know, she's praying for her daughter, hoping that she'll come, come back to the faith. But she basically kind of, you know, the Bible talks about how we can sometimes, um, that in order to follow Christ, we have to lose our life. And, and, and often that's a really hard choice to make, but it's only losing our life that we truly find it. The third point I want to take away is we have to commit to the course, having a whatever it takes attitude. So Ruth, what we see really with the difference between Orpah and Ruth is that Orpah does travel a short path. I mean, she's, she says initially, okay, I'll I'll go with you, Naomi. And she does appear to be on board with traveling. And she does show like a genuine affection for Naomi and Ruth. But there's a point where she turns off. And we're going to be talking about this more in in a future episode. But she tur- there's a point where Orpah, she does go down the more advantageous looking path. And she certainly just sort of 
abandons um, abandons the plan of going with Naomi and Ruth. And Ruth, on the other hand, is committed to following God. And she doesn't turn off even when Ruth, or I'm sorry, Naomi urges her to do so. Naomi does try to talk her out of going with her. But she then, it tells us in the passage that she stops when she sees that Ruth is determined to go with her. And we will have those in our lives. Even godly people, we were just talking about this in the study I was doing this week. Um, but we will even have godly people who maybe don't understand our calling, don't understand what God's doing in our lives that really attempt us to talk us out of doing something that may be hard, may require sacrifice. And they're doing it because they love us, because they care about us, but it may not be God's will for us to take the easier route. And if we're walking in the will of God, we can gently put those arguments to rest and persevere on against the odds like Ruth does here. Paul says in Philippians 3.13, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So for Paul, answering God's call meant leaving behind his prestigious titles, the standing in his community and embracing. We look at Paul's life. He embraced prison, shipwrecks, hunger, opposition, and he was eventually executed for his faith. So his road was not an easy road. But then again, we look at the blessed, just what a blessed life he had in that he was able to write a majority of the um, New Testament. He had such a amazing calling and um, purpose, and yet he paid so dearly for it and Ruth, similarly, she will not abandon God and go back to her former life, but she um, demonstrates her tenacity by doing what she can to remain on course. And I'm sure that there were moments when her hope wavered, when she looked at, you know, these people in this new community that maybe appeared happy, well-adjusted, married women, and she may have felt some homesickness, may have missed her husband, may have wondered, you know, what am I doing? May have wondered if this God she was following actually was going to come through for her. We don't know all her thought processes, but we could imagine that at times the hard path she had chosen, although the right one must have been very, very hard. I want to wrap up with a few comments and say that God's ways are not our ways and often what looks to be the right way in our own eyes will only lead to bondage and suffering. And that's why we constantly need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need God's direction and counsel in our lives and he will provide it if we open ourselves up to it. But if we are just determined to do what is right in our own eyes, then we will often walk into situations that end up being heartbreaking and painful. And we could have avoided those and we can't avoid those if we simply, if we simply listen to what God says. I love what Lisa Turker says. She says the safest place to be is in the center of God's will, but that it won't always feel like it's safe. In fact, it will feel scary. It will feel sometimes uncomfortable because he stretches us. It will feel, um, It will feel at times that we're constantly on the edge, just stepping out into nothing. And then God supports us. But it will definitely at times be uncomfortable for us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord 
with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We will encounter obstacles and problems and suffering when we walk in his will, but they will be those problems and obstacles that God will help us overcome and see us through and they will have a purpose. In my own life years ago, um, I can point to so many decisions. Honestly, in this topic, I can point to so many paths that I just insisted on my own way and went down them. And then years later, some paths honestly were good for a really long time. And then, you know, God may have warned me and I just persisted. And, and then I found out much later why I shouldn't have gone the way that I did. And sometimes it even took years for me to find out, but God is always accurate. Like he was always knows what's ahead. But years ago, and then I can also point decisions that I really didn't want to do at the time. And I just fought so hard, but I just eventually relented. And now I can look back and I feel such a peace about those decisions. And I may have even, it makes more sense in the moment. Now I can say, okay, God, I know why you made me do that. Now, honestly, there will be those decisions we make where he says, you know, talk to this person or, or do this. And, and we won't ever really see why we just have to blindly trust that we're supposed to step out in that way. But there are, t- there are decisions I can look back and say, I really did not want to make that in the moment, but I'm okay with it now. I think it was, it was good. And I don't feel the same way that I did in the very moment. And one particular decision years ago, God asked me to step away from a music opportunity that I really, really, really wanted to be a part of. There were some really talented individuals. I could just visualize how we were going to collaborate, work together, write songs, um, sing, you know, just, it was all so appealing and I couldn't understand why God did not want me to be a part of it. And God told me in that season to give up serving on the worship team. He told me to serve in the nursery and also go and go attend a hope ministry training course, which honestly, many of the principles I learned in that are those that, that I still talk about and use and, and share with you on the blog. They are biblical principles for, for healing, for help with things like, you know, um, finding our identity in Christ and depression, anxiety, you know, things that we talk about in the blog. A lot of those things I learned going through hope ministry training. But I did not see and I could not see and I fought God initially when he when I was feeling that initially I I just said, God, I don't think I'm hearing you right on this. I mean, I really played that kind of like I knew that God was telling me, but I really, really did not want to think that. So I kind of played the Lord, you can't be leading me in this way type of thing. But so I persisted in trying to make that path happen and just a day or two into trying to forge into that. I felt such a lack of peace that I just had to step away from it and do as God asked. And I ended up breaking off um, that commitment to the worship team in that season, ended up doing what God asked. And it was not easy. I missed singing. It was hard for me to see other people on stage. I had to do a lot of work for the Hope Ministry where I had to go weekly, read a lot of materials. It wasn't convenient because I had small children and it wasn't always easy for me to get to the meetings. Um, they were held in a church that was a good, you know, 40, 35, 40 minutes away. And I had to go on weeknights and make sure my husband was home to watch the kids. And then I had a weekend conference I had to go to that 
ended up being kind of a fight to get there. I remember the weather was just terrible. I mean, there was just, it wasn't an easy thing. Um, but when it ended up happening, quite interestingly, is several months down the road, my husband got a job opportunity in a new place and we ended up moving. And some, some, and some of those individuals I wanted to be in collaboration with, well, we ended up going to a completely different place and it wouldn't have really worked out anyway because we ended up moving. And I had no idea that that was down the road. And I can look back and, and I let it go. And it's, I accepted it and I don't have the same feelings about it that I did then. If God is a good God and knows what is best for us, he will only lead us in the best way. But as I mentioned, it will not always feel or look to be the best way. But when we're tempted to go our own way, which might initially look more advantageous, might look like an escape route from whatever pain we're experiencing, we can look at the story of Ruth and see how she, even though she was in a tough circumstance, she was blessed when she went the harder way at the center of God's will and she did not succumb to the temptation in the moment to simply go back to, to take the easier path, to go back to the God she knew, to go back to, you know, where it might've been initially easier. She took the harder path and we see what happens in her story because of it. I don't know where you are as you're listening to this, what is happening in your life at the moment, but I hope that you find some encouragement in these words That whatever decisions you have before you, that you would consider and lay them before God and say, God, what is it you would have me do? And that um, even when the temptation to maybe shut God out or to not trust God because things have been hard and they've been hard for a long time, that again, you can look at the story and say, okay, God, I trust you. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the encouragement of stories like Ruth where the people in the story, they aren't made up characters. They're real people and they go through real struggles and they were in a hard place, just like many of us find ourselves in at the moment. And thank you that Lord, you have this encouragement for us that even when it looks like you're not working, that you don't care, that we can always know that you're working behind the scenes on our behalf. We don't have to go and find our own path. We don't have to try to fix everything that we can bring everything that troubles us to you, our smallest concerns. We can lay them at your feet and say, Lord, what should we do with this? What way should we go? What is happening? And Lord, you will direct and guide us and lead us down the path that we should go. Help us to always look to you, not lose our trust. And if we are losing faith, if we are struggling with unbelief and doubt, Lord, help us just to to confess that to ask you for faith, for belief, for the ability to trust you and help us to always look to you for the right way to go and not turn to the right or the left, but always listen to the voice um, that is behind us telling us where to go. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.